And I started doing this work and like being outside, being in the sun, being in the fresh air, doing physical work, touching the earth, like all of that, like for me, for my brain, it was really grounding. Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, today, we are going to take a deep dive into mindset and culture in your landscape business. And these are really two of the, some of the most important things to work on and to develop in your landscape business. Now, you might be thinking, ah, I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. It's kind of, you know, hooey or whatever. And I can get where you're coming from. I used to perhaps see that way in a, when I was younger. Now, as I'm really looking at things and start seeing things, oh man, I, I, I wish I would have learned this 15, 20 years ago, you know? So it's really important to start to develop your mindset on just different aspects of, of you growing mentally and physically and everything and it goes on in your landscape business and to also develop that in your team. And it also goes into culture and that all kind of can play together in different aspects. And that's one thing I can say I'm, I'm very proud of in our, in our landscape business when I was there, we were developing such an awesome culture of people in there. Everybody wanted to, you know, maybe not every single day, but they wanted to come to work. They get excited, you know, and working on like the water features. I can remember, you know, finishing up water features and the teams out there, they're all taking pictures and wanted, you know, take it home to share it with their family. And it's so rewarding to see that, you know, they, they're taking pride in everything they're doing and wanting to share it with people. So it's an awesome feeling to, to see that you're developing this. The other thing we're able to do is to start to talk to our team members and let them know where we see them moving up to because you know they're at the foreman level well we can see you become an operations manager but here's the steps that we need to do and by them seeing that oh you're pitching me moving up here at some point that's awesome i'm going to work hard to get to that point and the same thing with with your laborers okay well this person moves up then somebody else is going to take his position as a foreman or whatever it is and developing that culture really gets everybody kind of tied together and everybody excited about being there and working on the business. It's so important. Now, today's guest, she is an expert. She has written books on it. She's given talks on it. So I'm super excited to have her here. Before we get into that, though, let's have a listen to our sponsors. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now today, I'm very excited to have on a special guest. Her name is Monique Allen. She is the founder and creative director of Garden Continuum, is a master creator, interactive employer, and a published author, and an e-commerce industry advocate. So Monique, I appreciate you hopping on the show today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm loving your podcast and following all the great stuff you're doing, so I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's awesome. Now, Monique and I actually met a little bit on a uh, panel, industry panel, with Jack Joss as a friend of ours, which is awesome. It was a great, uh, great event, yeah. so it was great to meet you there. 
Yeah, Jack does a great job and he pulled together such a good group of people. It seemed like there was like immediate synergy with everybody. So it's just, it's good to be on those kinds of things. And um, I felt like we connected right away on that. Absolutely. So no, it's an honor to have you here. So thanks. So do you mind uh, sharing a little bit of, of your background, a little history? Because you had a, a really awesome story you told me when we did the Greek podcast chat. Yeah, for sure. So I am a, I'm a lifer. I'm a lifelong landscaper. And I started in the industry by chance. So I did not inherit a business or uh, was not in my family or anything. It was pure dumb luck or sort of divine intervention. I don't know which one. <laughs> um, but when I was late in my teens, 18 years old, I was invited to just go and mulch. You know, I didn't even really know what mulching was, um, but uh, but it, it sounded a whole lot better than what I was doing at the time. And uh, that was in 1986. So I was introduced, immediately fell in love, and in 1991 started my own business. Uh, it was called Second Nature, and I did that for about nine years. And around getting married and having children or deciding I was going to have kids, I thought, okay, I got to I gotta lock this in. And so I went to become a corporation and realized that the name I had chosen, Second Nature, I couldn't incorporate it. So there's the first lesson, right? <laughs> Research your name before you invest almost a decade in it. So I incorporated in the year 2000 as the Garden Continuum and went down that journey. In 2011, really did a ton of work to rethink, rebrand, and to come out of the recession with everything that I had learned to build sort of the next iteration of the Garden Continuum. And that's where Lifescaping was born. And now we're a $2 million profitable, debt-free. We bring on managed debt annually as we need it. Um, yep, yep. Um, we have savings, so we've got cash so we can do what we need to do. And my goal was never to be, even in all of the different iterations, it was never really to be the biggest, the highest revenue. I, I was never really revenue driven as much as really driven to be solid. I grew up in a pretty rocky, tumultuous, lots of moving, a lot of trauma. And so for me, it was all about creating stability. That's what I wanted. And so it just feels really, really good to be in a really stable place, especially in a world that feels kind of unstable. Absolutely. No, that, yeah. that's an awesome story. And it's crazy how we kind of get in the industry and <laughs> just kind of jump into it. That's Well, that's how my dad did it too. He just kind of, oh, we're going to start doing this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it fits some of us though, right? Wouldn't you say, like, I know for me, and I know when you and I talked about just like all of the people that you've talked to on your journey as a podcast host, is it like for me, when I, when my hands hit the ground, it was grounding. Like I, I was so spinny and there was so much trauma and pain and anger and, uh, you know, and then I hit the ground and I started doing this work and like being outside, being in the sun, being in the fresh air, doing physical work, touching the earth, like all of that, like for me, for my brain, it was really grounding. And when I meet a lot of the amazing people that do this work, they also like that, that freedom of being outside. It's like, give me a desk job and I just want to like claw my eyes out, right? So <laughs> there's something about the work we do that is so like necessary to our being. And I, I think that's part of why I love this industry so much because it's real. Absolutely. And that, and for me, like the creativity that I could bring mm. out and, you know, I wasn't I like, I like art and stuff growing up in school and everything, but that wasn't my thing. But when I got to out there and actually got to like, design water features to mimic nature and just move the rocks and just that just sucked me in right then and yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so no, it's that's awesome. 
So you also are a business coach too, and you help landscapers with that type of thing, correct? Yes, I do. A big part of my journey has been coming to self-awareness as a way to grow because I've been doing this for 36 years. And as I said, like there's been all of these different iterations and mindset is so important to our success, like how we succeed. And I was realizing how many things I needed to kind of massage in my own brain, the way I looked at the world, the way I looked at money, the way I looked at working on teams versus just doing it by myself. And I realized that when I would get really deep, deep into struggle, I actually had to learn something. I had to to like actively go after something. And it was almost always self-assessment, self-behavior checking and that kind of thing. And what happened is that around the Great Recession, everything toppled so badly that trying to figure out coming out of it for me was not, I'm going to rebuild the old normal. It was, I'm going to build something entirely new. And as I was building that thing that was entirely new, people were noticing and they were like, what are you, what do you have like all new trucks? Nope. I just painted them all. You know, like, what are you doing? Why do you look so successful? Why do you look so happy? What, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. Give me some of that. Give me some of that. Whatever you have and I want it. Right. And so I went to school for entrepreneurship at Northeastern University. I grew up in a self-employed family that was, you know, uh, and even my grandmother was self-employed. So I had all this stuff that was feeding into my mindset and people started asking me. And so I started coaching kind of by default and then realized that the brand of coaching that I had was very different than what was currently available in the landscape coaching world. And so I started to move out and get my own coaches for myself. And I went outside of the landscape industry in order to find, so I hired people in the industry and then hired people outside the industry. And then I began to cobble together this strategy, basically to coach the maker entrepreneur. So these are the landscapers, the builders, and all the associated trades that make and maintain our world. We are the people. We are, in my humble opinion, the most important people on the planet, because if things go to hell in a handbasket, we're the ones who are going to remake it. I mean, we talk about like the money guys being important and the doctors being important. We all have our place. But the beauty of the trades is that we know how to use our hands. We know how to make stuff. And so what I learned is that I'm great at it because I am building a business, running a business. At the same time, I'm helping people to implement in their own business. And the real differentiator for me is that like ideas are everywhere. There's so many ideas. I mean, just hop on a podcast, right? You'll get an idea. <laughs> Tech is everywhere now. And it's become more and more affordable, which is great, right? The struggle that I see in the maker business is implementation. And implementation is really hard because you have to have the time, you have to have the ability, and you have to be able to manage your own personal behaviors in order to put things down, in order to pick them up. And so that's where I'm I'm uniquely skilled because I've actually done it. I've gone through it. And so that's the place where it just lights me up to work with people who are kind of ready to do that. Like, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and I'm going to figure this out. And I'm super smart, you know, and I'm super capable. 
I just need somebody to help me navigate the implementation process because the on-ramp for implementation is actually, there's a lot of heavy lifting and it tends to be a struggle. And that's why a lot of times these new things get put down. No, I think you're absolutely right with the implementation and it kind of goes into the mindset. You have to have the mindset to want to do these types of things is <laughs> it's huge. And like, actually, just before this podcast, I was on a phone call with somebody and they have the right mindset of all the things that they want to do, but they start doing a little bit of this and then they don't get the results right away. So then oh, I'm going to go do this and they just, you need to finish this part up here so you can go to this part. And they just weren't in the right mindset of these types of things. They have a good heart there, but mm-hmm. they just need to, to actually implement these things to take action on it. And to me, like you said, it goes back to the mindset. You have to have the right mindset. You mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just listening to you and Katie on your last pod, I think it was the last one about goal setting. Mm-hmm. And I loved what Katie was talking about with the the big, hairy, scary goal. And that, you know, part of the mindset is being brave enough to set that really incredibly huge goal but then all also understanding that embedded in that big, hairy, scary goal are all these micro goals that are stepping stones along the way, and they are the building blocks to the other one. And so I loved what you two were talking about, about how you set that big, hairy, scary goal almost to trick your mind not to see the pain and discomfort and struggle on the little goals along the way. And I think the implementation issue, and here, here's like a direct example. I have seen so many of my clients buy a piece of tech with the idea that that tech is going to solve their problems. And then a third of the way into the setup process, they're tearing their hair out because it's so much work to set the damn thing up. And then when they're like, let's say a third into the year using it, they're realizing that it's not spitting out the information that they want. And then so they're really frustrated. Now the tech sucks, but it's not the tech. I liken it to, it's like you buy a shovel. It's the best shovel on the market, the best shovel. You take the shovel, you bring it to the job and you put it down next to you. And then you get pissed at the shovel because it didn't dig a hole, right? (laughs) So that's the mindset hurdle. And of course, you know, I'm being obnoxious, but you know what I mean? Like, that's the mindset. My people will say to me, like my staff, they're like, oh, you know, we should get one of those time app things, you know, that you use on your phone and you clock in on your phone and you do this. And I say to them, look, I have a very simple single sheet of paper that I ask you to fill out every day. Every day, you don't fill it out right. Every day, you miss stuff. Every day, you put things in the wrong boxes. What makes you think that if I give you a piece of tech on your phone, you will do it right? I will get you the tech when you do the paper right for a whole year, right? So mindset is really simple. It's just not sexy. It's not flashy. (laughs) It's not shiny. And also we change our minds incrementally. So the problem when we buy tech is that it's a big buy. It's a big thing. We expect that our mind can wrap itself around it right away. And the thing is it can't. Our brains don't work that way. We hate change in our brains. So again, going back to what you and Katie were saying, when you get the big, hairy, scary goal and you plaster that in front of you, and then you create all these little incremental goals, your brain no longer sees that that big, hairy, scary goal is so important, so big, it also doesn't even pay attention to how big the little goals are because that big one is over there. Mm-hmm. So it's all those kinds of really cool tips and tricks that you can work with based on whatever your goal is. So like right now, a big part of what I'm doing is I work with people on recruiting 
But what people don't understand with recruiting is if your retention is bad, you're always going to fail in your recruiting. So to recruit well, you actually have to turn around and look at retention. And so mindset is embedded in every single thing you do from your staff side to your sales side. Absolutely. And it does. It ties, everything gets tied together. And I, I agree with you on the, uh, the recruiting part of it. It's building that culture on the back end that's going to help keep and drive people towards your business and on the recruiting process. Actually, Katie and I were talking about this yesterday because we have a portion in our academy where we talk about this uh, the hiring, training, retaining, and trying to put those words in a course is very difficult to try to teach people to like, you have to develop this culture. Well, trying to like spit that out in, into a course is, is kind of difficult. That's why I like, I like doing the live trainings because of that. But I always take a look back at what I did in our business. And it was always, I'm kind of getting off topic here, but it was always <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, tell our crew leaders or foremen, this is what I see you doing in five years from now, but here's the steps we need to do to get to that point. And they can start opening their minds to seeing, oh, wow, you know, he sees that I can do this, but, you know, I have the potential to do this and then gets excited and gets them driving to, to get to that goal. And that's what helped develop our culture because they get excited. They lead that into their teams and, you know, just so forth and just builds on everything. And then, then you get people wanting to come join you because they see what these people are doing and it, it all ties together. And it goes back to the mindset of, I guess, of you have to look at yourself to be able to improve everything. And it's, I don't know, I see a lot of landscapers like, oh, it's, it's the people out there. It's the people. Well, portion of it might be, but it's, it's on you as a leader to develop that. Yeah. And so. it's on us as leaders to understand who we are. And I think part of the difficulty that you had with building that course is unlike something like, let's say, like a sales system or onboarding a, a software for invoicing or something, you know, you can make those things very linear, you know, A plus B equals C. If I do A, I will get B. The problem with humans is that we're complex and that's beyond complicated because complicated is still, you know, if you do A and then B, you will get C. But between A and B, you may need to do a bunch of other little steps, but it's still linear. It's just complicated. When you move into complex, there's no linear nature anymore. And that's what happens with humans because when we're building a team, we have many humans. And so each human has their own dynamic. Each human to human contact has its own dynamic. And then each group has its own dynamic. And then the whole has a dynamic. And I think that's the part when I'm working with owners to build their staff, it really all starts with the owner. And one of the thing is claiming your ownership, claiming your style, claiming your meaning, your mission, your purpose in doing it, and then building the culture around that. I actually just gave a free webinar on Monday night this past week called Stop Hunting, Start Attracting Your Ideal Fit Employees. And the attraction model is all about kind of like building up your own magnetic force. And that comes from really, really becoming self-aware. And that too is a mindset, right? So we have amazing ability as owners because here's the thing. Owners are all really smart, capable people. It's their nature. If you own a company, if you've just started or you've owned a company for decades, there is such a capacity and ability to do stuff. The thing is, we hold a really high bar for ourselves. And that high bar is usually centered around production. And so the mindset shift is understanding that you can amplify production when you shift your mindset to think about organization, team, and fulfillment. Now your production can 10x. 
And that's the cool thing. But it does take like, it can be one of those, like, it feels like you're taking two steps back to take a step forward. Initially, like you said about having to turn and look at retention and culture in order to hire. And again, mindset, right? Absolutely. It all leads back to it. It all leads back to mindset. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. One of the things we were talking about in our previous conversation, we talked about mindset, services, and sales. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that you train your people on. You mind talking about that? Yeah. So that's the first half. So there are six steps to developing a maker business, like a really good, successful maker business. So mindset's first. We've beaten that horse. Like yep. mindset yep. is so, so important. And it's the thread that embeds everything. The second is service and then sales. So it makes sense, right? You need to know what services you offer. And the services you offer isn't an 18 bulleted list of all the things you do, right? You want to think a little bit broader about your services. And it's less about the thing and more about the experience. In this market, it's all about experience marketing. It's really about helping the consumer understand how you're going to solve a problem for them and understanding how you are going to help them amplify in the positive their experience of home or business or community or whatever it is. So service development's huge. Then you got to be able to package it and sell it. You got to be able to sell it. You got to be able to close the deal. You've got to be able to do that. And these pieces aren't, you know, it's not perfectly linear. The other piece is organization you really have to understand the organization that you have. And oftentimes when I'm meeting new companies, they sort of have the mind, I'm a business owner, right? They get that mindset. They have services they already do. They already have a sales strategy. What's missing is the organizational structure. They don't really have an org chart. They don't really know what the chain of command is. They don't really have defined roles and responsibilities. And this is why they have a revolving door. And so we have to figure out the organization. The next is team. Team development is required because in order for landscape to work, we work in crews, crews are teams. And so we've got to understand the team dynamic and how that works. And then ultimately, the piece de resistance is (laughs) fulfillment. Because at the end of the day, the way we get paid is fulfillment. And all of us, because we're makers, we are makers. We're not happy until the thing is done and we can see it. And we're like standing back, that rocks right? We want that fulfillment. We are so jazzed when we build stuff. So fulfillment is really the, it's the icing on the cake. That's what we're all trying to get to. But those other five pieces are required that we pay attention to them so that our fulfillment rocks. Do you find a lot of people you talk to, especially if they're smaller business, they're really stuck on that fulfillment part? Oh, totally. Again, because we're makers, right? So so the maker mindset is such that we see a problem And we're going to MacGyver the heck out of that thing. And we're going to fix it, right? Or we see something that's in disorder and we're going to make it orderly. Or we see an opportunity for innovation and we're going to get that done. That's the thing that I love about this industry because you have the most passionate people in it. You really do. And it's awesome. I think the struggle and pain comes when we are so good at what we do and then people really want us to do it. And then we have a market like we have now where people coming out of the woodwork trying to hire us and we don't want to say no because we know we can solve their problem, but we end up in huge pain. Like I, the suffering that I'm seeing right now in owners is profound. Like it's profound. It's like I've never seen it before because it's like knowing that the thing you want is right there. It's right there, but you can't get it. 
You don't have the help. You don't have the systems. You don't have the structure. You can't get it. And the only way to get it is to do it one at a time with you leading everything. And that's exhausting, especially for people who have been in it for decades. But it's also exhausting for somebody who's new and they're seeing such potential for success right at the get-go. But it's like somebody's pulling the rug out and out from under them at least every third or fourth day. And that feels horrible too. Yeah, it's, that's something that we see a lot is they, they get stuck. It goes back to like the E-Myth book. You know, they're, yes. they're the technician. They they want to be the technician. That's why they got into it. But now you've, you have to start transitioning out of that and getting into, you know, a different role in your business. And that's where I see a lot of people get stuck at, especially like we do a lot of smaller landscapers and they're, they started that stuff doing that kind of work. But well, you are growing now and you, if you want to continue to grow, you have to change your mindset on these things. It goes back to mindset. <laughs> well, so here's like a really interesting opportunity to just take this on a little tangent is that in the, the webinar that I just gave, which I'm probably going to be giving this again toward the end of the month because it was really, really well received. And I, I kept the group kind of small. One of the things that I say is, you know, toward the end, when you get through all of this about recruiting and retention, if you don't want to do this work, the first question you have to ask yourself is whether you really want to be an owner. That's a real pain point because if you want to be an owner and you want to grow your business and you want to run more than one crew, in other words, you don't want to be an owner operator. Like you don't want to own a job. You actually want to own a business and you want to scale the business. That means you cannot do the business of what you do anymore. You can't. I don't get to garden anymore. I do. I have amazing gardens at my house, but I don't get to garden anymore the way I did in the beginning. I don't get to design anymore the way I did in the beginning. So that is a huge mindset shift is to ask yourself the question, what do I want? And if what you want is to be an owner operator, do that better than anybody in your market and get out on that job every day. And the one word that you need to get really good at is no, <laughs> I can't take that job. It's yep. not within my wheelhouse. It's not what I do. And I don't have time for you. So it's really not about you have to, you know, do one thing or another thing. It's about going within and asking the question, what do I want? And what am I willing to give up? What am I willing to toggle in my life so that I can get what I think I want? Absolutely. Well, it's funny you say that saying no, because like I said, the conversation I had with the person before this podcast was they have a problem saying no to customers and <laughs> they, they see the dollar signs and they're like, well, I could do this, but well, is it the type of work you want? Is it the client you want? You know, we started that whole conversation on that type of stuff and ultimately it was no, then okay, then don't take that job, you know, just say, I'm sorry, we're not a good fit. Or, you know, we talked about a couple of different avenues you can say no on, but you're right. You have to say no sometimes. Right. <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should. And again, yeah. this is part of the maker mindset, right? The maker mindset is so capable, is so able and agile of mind and spirit to be able to take complex functional problems in our environment and fix them. Like, fix them, change them, take advantage of the opportunity. Like we're really, really good, but we're kind of like, it's like, you can't help it. It's like chocolate in front of you and you just can't <laughs> help it. You can't help it. Cause it's like, yeah, I can fix that. Yeah, I can fix that. We had, you know, I had a very good friends They're They're not in the landscape business anymore. They're actually farmers now, but for, for many, many years. And we used to call them Midas because they, it, it was just amazing what they, they were able to do. And the, the, the job for one client kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because 
you know, they needed a gas line. Yeah, we can put in a gas line. We needed a heated driveway. Yeah, we can put in a heated driveway. We need a roof redone. Yeah, we can redo your roof. Like they just could do anything. Like these guys could do anything. Well, in the end, before they closed their landscape company, they only had three clients, very deep pocket clients that wanted everything solved for them. So they worked for those three clients and they did everything. And if they couldn't do it, they brokered getting it done. They did everything. And so their landscape company ended up being more of a caretaking company, property management company. And it worked for them. No wonder they manage a farm so well. So I think that the direction that it takes, if it's bringing you joy, which is all, you know, what I talk about on my Instagram channel all the time, I'm always talking about joy because I think it all goes back to joy. If you are in joy, if you are in satisfaction, if you are feeling lit up and awesome, then do that. And as soon as you feel like yourself, you know, like it's plummeting and you feel terrible, take a look at that and ask, is it because I'm doing it wrong? Is it because I shouldn't be doing it? Should I have said no? And then give yourself the grace to get out of what is not serving you. That's ultimately, I think, how makers become incredibly happy, productive people. I love that. That's so true. And uh, I can personally relate to it. Like I said, with the water features that I do, once I start doing that, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And it drives you and it makes everything so much easier. Your marketing, your sales, everything. You get you get your crews pumped up because they're excited to be part of that. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I'll have to check you out on Instagram. and <laughs> <laughs> It's, well, you know, it's all raw, raw. It's all about like, feel this, do this, feel this, ask this question, like follow your joy because it's brilliant. Well, if you are pumped about it, you're going to get your team pumped up about it and they're going to be excited. And it just, it goes back to that creating the whole culture and everything and it all ties together. So yes. somebody has to be the rah-rah person in your business. And yes, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <you're doing> that. <laughs> so do you have any other tips on how somebody can, you know, propagate a better culture in their business besides the rah-rah? And- yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because when we act like a cheerleader, like, Cheerleading is great when you totally believe in it, when it's like coming from deep in your heart, right? But unfortunately, what happens is cheerleading can get really, it can really grate on people's nerves. And I've seen, I've actually seen this in companies where, you know, they think they're going to do this great thing and they're going to pump everybody up. And it's like, we're going to do this. And, and it's so outside of alignment with their team because they're not really paying attention to their team. And the team is just like, oh my gosh, you're whacked. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. You know, so you have to engage your team. And now I have a small team, so we're 22 people. And, you know, if, if you've got 122 people as an owner, it's really hard to engage. If you've got under 20 people, there's no reason why you can't engage with every one of your people. It doesn't mean you manage everyone. Nobody should ever be managing more than I would say, like maybe a half a dozen people. But I think one of the tips really is about making sure that you've written your vision down for the company. Because, you know, I always say, I'm the queen. I'm the queen. I get to decide. This is, this is my kingdom. This is my queendom. I get to decide what I want. And I, don't, I actually can stand in that very sovereign and not um, apologize for it. And so when I, when I can be really clear that way, then I can say to you, you know, hey, you know, this is my vision, Scott. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I see. Like you said about your people, this is what I see. I'm looking at your talent and your skill, and I'm looking at that in connection with my company. And I'm seeing that if you do this thing and then this thing, what I'd love to do is give you this thing off of my plate. And then once you take that thing, I'm seeing that you could do this. 
how does that sound to you? Like, does that excite you or does that freak you out? Where are you? And then like we listen. And I think that those kinds of interactions with our people are where the magic happens. You know, that, that ability to, to listen deeply, to learn from what you're listening and hearing, then to lead and then through that leadership affect change. That's how we have influence on our culture. That's how we have influence on our people. It does take for owners, it takes taking a step back from production, taking a step back from fulfillment, understanding if I turn all my energy and my attention, if I've got a staff of like four people, if in January, the one thing you do is take each one of those people out to lunch, have a set of very short questions that you can ask, and then listen, 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 let's keep eating because you'll talk less and listen, listen, listen. And then allow everything that those people are saying to you, feed your capacity to vision and then get back with them as a team and say, okay, had lunch with every one of you. Oh my gosh, what I learned from you all. Y'all are brilliant. I had this vision. Then I talked to you and I was like, damn, look at my vision now because now it incorporates all of you. That's the kind of thing that will 10X your business in one year with those people. It's magic. It's magic. I love that. That's awesome. We would have, we'd call them what's dumb around here meetings. So we, <laughs> we would, and it, it worked out awesome. And we would not like bash on somebody. We would just do what you said is listen. That's the, that's the biggest thing is don't talk, just listen and just hear their input. And okay, I appreciate that. And then move on. And everybody kind of go around what's dumb around here. And you'd be surprised on like how much thought they put into some of the stuff and like how they can be fixed. And you may not even thought of thought about that. So just listen to your team is huge. So I applaud you for doing that in your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big thing to sit down with 21 people and talk to every single one of them. It used to be harder. I just finished it the last week of December and I do it over about three weeks time. And I tell you, I was so pumped. I was so lit up after. I felt awesome. I felt awesome. And I got to say, kudos to you all too for your do it dirty. I see it on your whiteboard behind you there <laughs> because I think you know, perfection is such a dangerous thing. And we as makers, we can do that to ourselves. We can get stuck in the mud because we're afraid of not being perfect. But the flip side of that is that one of the conundrums about the employment experience is that most employees expect perfection from their owners. And we're imperfect beings. So that do a dirty thing only works if you ask for permission. Sure. So when you say what's dumb around here, you're actually asking for permission for people to speak up about what's broken, you know, dysfunctional, uncomfortable, ugly, like whatever, right? Do it dirty is also asking for permission to take a stab at it, knowing that it might not be right. And then after we do it, go back and look at it and be like, what worked? What do we keep in? What didn't work? What are we taking out of here? And so I think that one of the things that owners can really embrace in that conversation is ask permission, like not like permission, like can I, but say, here's my idea. What I need from all of you is your buy-in for it not to be perfect, for it to be imperfect action, because imperfect action, again, that's where the magic happens. Oh, it's so true. And people do get stuck on that and the perfection all the time, the analysis paralysis, they'll whatever, go buy all these courses or do whatever, but they won't take action on it or the, oh, until I get this done or get this done. 
no, just start it. It's amazing. Like what brought this on actually the, actually it's this side, uh, yeah. what brought that on was in our business early on, we, my dad was one that had all the information and everybody had to go to him in the morning, find out what we needed for the jobs, what equipment, where we're going, all this stuff. He didn't have anything written down. It was crazy. And we had, I don't know exactly 20, 25 guys at the time. He's going nuts because we're all going to him. So we started making just a simple tool checklist. So he'd fill out in the morning. Here's this tools you had to get loaded up. And I probably updated that checklist. I don't even know, 20 times, 30 times over, <laughs> you know, over a couple of years, but it just took taking that simple action and get that ball going. And it, it's amazing what it's evolved to today. You know, it started seeing the system procedure. So don't get stuck on things. Just do it dirty. Get started. <laughs> yeah, just get started. Yep. Yeah. Put one foot in front of the other and, and get started. You know, it's the same with getting help, you know, like deciding to sign up for the Million Dollar Academy, like deciding that you're going to invest in yourself, deciding that you'll work with me as a business coach or somebody else, or you'll take that. I just took a awesome course called People School through the Science of People, just about developing people skills. I mean, there is so much out there to help you be the best possible owner. I think the biggest mindset takeaway or mindset shift that any owner can make is that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to invest in yourself. It's okay to lean on somebody that will help you to improve your own accountability because you don't need to get smarter. You're already smart. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about empowerment. This is about accountability. This is about showing up and being able to get in front of your crew and say, okay, so we did that thing. I think we can all agree it sucked. We're not going to do that thing anymore. We're going to do something different. There's so much appreciation from people when somebody can stand up in front of them and say, that didn't work. Anybody have any other ideas? Because that's what was wrong and broken around here. That's better than, hey, we can do this. It's better than the cheerleading. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, again, it goes all back to creating that culture of getting their input. That's, that's huge. So well, Monique, this has been awesome. I, I love this conversation. We can go on for hours. I, I think, know we on could, this type totally. Of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, your coaching and actually, actually you also have a book out there too. You mind talking about that? Yes. Yes. So I'll tell you about the book. It's called stop landscaping, start lifescaping. So a little tongue in cheek, because of course we're all out here landscaping, but it was a metaphor. It was really a metaphor for don't worry about the things so much have joy in, in what it is you're doing. And lifescaping for us, I just looked at how to build a landscape, really just how to build a landscape. And I mapped out the landscape process, project process from the dream to fulfillment. And I weave in my own personal stories of, you know, trials and tribulations and what I learned. But we talk about everything from staging, you know, a job site and understanding how important mobilization and demobilization is in the estimating process to really understanding that landscape is a system. It's not a thing, you know? And so a landscape is something you look at and you say, oh, that is so beautiful, right? How many people do we look at on social media and say, wow, their life looks so beautiful? Really, a lifescape is what you're living in. It's how you live in something. So you can lifescape your landscape. You can lifescape your business. You can lifescape your life. And so... The book is fun because it for landscapers because it talks about landscaping, which is which is great and how we do that. In the coaching, which is through the Lifescape School, what I do there is I help people to basically lifescape their businesses. So the goal there 
is really to help them take all of the steps in all of the things we just talked about to help build themselves through those six steps of business to get to fulfillment. And connecting with me is super easy because I'm I'm very low tech. I love Instagram because it's easy and I think joy and ease, they go together. <laughs> um, so I have at the Garden Continuum, which was our landscape page and at Monique.Allen, which is my coaching page. And both of them, if you click the link in bio, you can get access to everything. The book, I have two blogs, they're free, tons of free downloads. I'm a huge believer in open source learning um, because I do believe that we can we can cobble together a ton. But I am also a deep believer in coaching and self-fulfillment and really working on building. So whether it's through programming like yours, where you have a nice platform and a lot of courses or direct coaching with me, I do VIP coaching which is really great soundbite coaching. So this is the kind of coaching where we have two really heavy, deep learning and working sessions with a pre-session and a post-session. And those can be completed over two weeks, three weeks time. And then I also do annual coaching where I will coach with somebody for a whole year to really move the big rocks and to help them just develop the internal systems. I'm not going to teach you how to landscape. I expect you know how to do that. I'm really teaching the lifescape side of business. And I do help people with lifescaping as a landscape application. But yeah, that's me. That's awesome. So we'll make sure we share all those links and everything so everybody can get to it. I'm actually, after we get this call, I'm going to go purchase that book. I'm excited about oh, that. Oh, I'll send awesome. you one, dude. So we'll I'll get <laughs> your I'll get your address. And as a thank you for having me here, I'll absolutely send it to you. I'd love to have you give it a read. Tell me what you think. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Monique, I definitely appreciate you being on here. It's awesome talking to you. You're, you're easy to talk to. So Yay. thank you. And uh, I look forward to having you on again. Yeah, thanks so much. This is great. Keep up the good work. The show is amazing and the platform is really compelling. So yeah. Thank you. We appreciate it. Good luck to you this year and, and 2022. I think it's going to be an awesome year for everyone. Yes. yes. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right, Monique. Have a great one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 